welcome to the Dr. Drew Podcast. We do appreciate you uh, telling a friend. We appreciate the word of mouth that spreads these pods. I appreciate you supporting the people that allow us to you know, support the podcast and keep the winds in the sail of the Corolla pirate ship here. And uh, it really is a privilege to do these things. So if you have shows you'd like to hear or things that you'd like me to get into or people you'd like to hear me interview, we're, we're taking taking recommendations, believe me. And today is a caller show. We like doing caller shows. You know, we get to just sort of answer questions, do it almost like the old love line way, except the calls tend to be a little more diverse than back then. Um, I just did a little uh, sort of one-minute clip for all the Corolla social media about – we do these little sort of medical minute things. And there's a really interesting thing coming out in breast cancer just now, which is there was a study out of Vanderbilt that showed that you may be able to treat – breast cancer with a hormone-blocking agent, uh, much like we do prostate cancer. And the the relationship between prostate cancer, ovarian cancer, and breast cancer is really getting very interesting in that the research for one is bearing fruit for the others. Uh, and and right now, the, the potential to be able to sort of dial in specific therapies for specific genetic markers for a given tumor are just really getting very exciting. I, I had the, the privilege of hosting this uh, cancer survivor thing. It was Cancer Survivor Day recently, and, and uh, we were you know, talking to some of the oncologists, and the stuff they're doing is amazing. And I think right now, the history of right now is going when the books are written, the, the most elegant discoveries is we have ways now that the you know your tumors have to grow in such a way that your your immune system doesn't see them, right? <clears throat> and so. There are now blocking agents called checkpoint inhibitors that sort of make the tumors, again, visible to your immune system. So I imagine a day when things like a hormone agent and a checkpoint inhibitor could really be an interesting combination. Gary, I did a – oh, shoot. It's probably on my website, doctor.com. It actually was a a You Live uh, This Life podcast I did with Matthew Reddick. You guys may want to look for that, R-E-T-T-I-G. He's an oncologist researcher and went into some of that – a lot of detail about these checkpoint inhibitor types thing. All right, let's get to some calls here. Let's uh, get to Mike. Let me see. Hold on a second, Mike. Let me try to get this up here. There we are. Mike, go ahead. Hey, Dr. Drew. Thanks a lot for taking my call. You bet. So um, I have, since I was a little kid, always had soda. And Diet Coke is kind of my, my poisonous pill. Yeah. And I know... I know that it's that I'm absolutely addicted to it, and every time I try to get off of Diet Coke and caffeine, it just goes bad for me. In what way? What, what, what do you mean it goes bad? Well, I just I get a real bad headache, and I just feel just like crap for the longest time to the point where if I don't go get a, you know, I mean, I drink those 64-ounce super double gulp things, and eventually the headache will subside. It takes a while. But, I mean, I can't go, you know, more than 24 hours without having a Diet Coke. And so I, um, you know, and I hear you and Adam and Vinny talking about the NS, the NSGS diet, no sugar, no grain diet. And I am really interested in it, but I know drinking that Diet Coke is just going to screw it up. And so I'm, I guess I'm looking for what does that really do? You know, how bad is that really for you? Because I read some places it's good. Sometimes it's not. And then how is that going to screw up if I try that diet? What's All the right. best way to get off of that caffeine thing? Well, <laughs> I, I'm not sure there's a be- – I mean cold turkey is I would say for sure the best way if you can do it. But um, you sounds like you – you know, oh boy. Is there anything you can do for the headaches? Like take Tylenol or anything that uh, makes it manageable? Because they should only last a couple of days. Um, 
you know, I, I, I can take aspirin and maybe have a, you know, a cup of coffee or something, but, you know, really it's, I think it's, you know, it sounds strange, but it's almost like it's psychosomatic too, where it, if it's the soda, cause I can drink those sparkling waters every once in a while and that, you know, relieves it for a little bit, but I just think it's something in the chemicals of the diet. I don't know. I'm just you know, oh, yeah. guessing. The only thing you really, I mean, look, Diet Coke, if it were really seriously problematic, don't you think in this litigious society we live in, you'd see maybe a couple lawsuits against Coca-Cola, a big deep pocket like that? You don't think if there's even the remotest possibility of something serious that they'd go after it with both guns, right? No, you're right. Right. Yeah. So, there's, so there's nothing serious. The data that has that I've seen that is uh, legitimate is that it tends to stimulate your appetite more than you realize. You, you feel like it's curbing your appetite, but but the data suggests that particularly in diabetics, it, it makes you gain weight. <clears throat> so that's the concern. Yeah. And particularly the Splenda, if I remember right, well, one of them was worse. I think the Splenda was worse as it pertains to that particular data. But – I yeah. drink Diet Coke. I mean, I, it's hard for me, you know, judge not lest I be judged. I, I drink Diet Coke. I, I, it does not affect the NSNG diet at all to me. I mean, I've had this massive response to it. And uh, yeah. I, again, I wouldn't believe that if I, I – it, it's, so, it's been so good for me, I don't even want to talk about it because I'm fearful that I'm having some kind of idios, idiosyncratic reaction, that it's just my body and my physiology. But man, it's right. been really exceptional. <clears throat> so Okay. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. Why don't you just be reasonable and cut back? How about that? And maybe replace some of it with sparkling water or, or something else you like, huh? Okay. All right. I'll give it a shot. All right, Mike. All right. Thanks a lot. Good luck. Okay. Bye. All right. This is uh, Joe. Joe, what's going on there? Hey, guys. How's it going? It's just a guy. Just me. It's Drew. Oh, hey, Drew. How you doing, man? Good. What's up? Hey, so I'm 53, and I haven't really been to a real doctor for a while. Yeah. I was just trying to think, think about this while I was on hold the last time I've been to a doctor. I think my wife's uh, life insurance made me get a blood test about three years ago. found I had high cholesterol, so I went to, like, uh, Zoom here. I don't know if you have those down there, but it's basically, you know, doc-in-a-box type thing. And I had been on high cholesterol and uh, hypertension medicine uh, since then, and they have been reissuing it every so often. Yeah. But I'd like to go back and see a real doctor, and I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, at 53, start, you 53 you've got to start, you know, you're already overdue for your cancer screening, right? I mean, it is time. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, uh, you're, in my, you're in my head every morning I wake up. Got to get that colonoscopy. I don't know where to go. Yeah. Yeah. Have you – word of mouth is always a good place to start. Has there been anybody that's been recommended to you? For instance, when you brought up the colonoscopy, has anybody said, go see so-and-so? No, that would no. be easy. Okay. Because sometimes if you start with the subspecialist, they'll know the primary care guys, the generalists that are really good. In fact, why don't you go that way? Okay. Why don't you go that route since I don't know the Portland landscape that's where you're from? Um, go. Well, how, about, how about even just the type of doctor? Like, uh, internal like medicine. medicine. Internal, or yeah. Or what? No, internal medicine. You want an internist. For sure, oh, okay. for right. sure. But but I think I listen. The way I would do it, I, I would seriously do it this way. If 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 you just ask around, go who does your colonoscopies? Go make an appointment with that doctor. Get get the clearance for the colonoscopy. Do the colonoscopy with him or her, and then ask for a referral. Who is a really good internist? They'll know because that's how they get the referrals and they get to you know interact with each other out in the you know the wards and things. And they'll they'll know who's good. And you need somebody who is smart and attentive. 
and that's hard to find anymore. Some of that ends up being, unfortunately, the concierge service, right? Do you know what that is? Yep. yep. Yeah. And so because the, the, here's, here's the way it usually breaks down. People are either not so bright and not so talented or they're very bright and very talented and therefore too busy and not really interested in just general medical screening or they're in a, exactly. con- or they're in a concierge system. So you kind of if the subs if the gastroenterologist doesn't have anybody good to recommend to you, you're probably going to end up in a concierge setup, which is fine. I mean, it's just a little bit more every year, and they usually do a very good job. Yeah, I remember the last time I tried to get a dog, nobody was taking right. The good ones are too busy. That's right. That's usually what happens. And so that's thus we have the concierge system. Then you have to pay a little bit to get it. But but I would start with the gastroenterologist. And and by the way, that's you know that and a PSA are your two urgent needs right now, right? You got to get you need you know your cholesterol checked. You need a PSA. You need your colonoscopy, and you need it now. All right. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Appreciate it. You got it. Good luck. Uh, Let us deal with. I'm trying to deal. People have been on hold the longest here. This is Mike. What's up, Mike? Doctor Drew, it's an honor. Thank you very much. You bet. Of course. Um, so my girlfriend and I, my fiance and I, were, we were both sexually abused as children. Oh boy. Uh, her situation was a lot more severe. Yeah. Um, at first she said it was her uncle, but I did some prying and now I think it was her father. She oh won't come my. out. And say it. Oh boy. I know. It was really bad. It was like when she was 16 and then she went into the foster system. <laughs> oh my God. Very positive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah no. Wait, she, so hold on. So, so hold on, hold on, hold on. So, so her first incident of sexual abuse when she was a teenager? Yes, if I understand it correctly, yes. I, I, I'm going to wonder about that. Well, it happens. Yeah, but. well, so here, here's what happened. Uh, her mother raised her, but her mother raised her in, like, uh, a very uh, a strict organization. Uh, she calls it a cult. It must have been some kind of a uh, church or something. Uh, she was very, very closely monitored. Um, but there's, there's a lot of mystery about the way that she was raised, too. She told me that <clears throat> she thinks she may have spent some time in Libya. For goodness sake. In where? Was like Libya? Libya. Wow. Yes, below the age of five. Look, this is, it's just one thing after another when I explore her past. Huh. And um, I've, I've had some interaction with uh, the situation uh, myself, but uh, it's, it, it's, it doesn't hold a candle to, to her situation. So I sympathize very much for her, um, but it, it's very hard for me to, to be completely supportive without being suspicious somehow. I, I mean, there's drug abuse in her history as well, too. But she understands me very well. Uh, she and I both kind of have uh, aggressive streaks sometimes. We don't hurt each other, of course, but... Uh, Wait, Mike, you, you've, you've said some very inter- interesting things so far. So, so you said you're suspicious of what? I'm concerned that she's going to slip into that kind of behavior between us. What, what kind of I'm, behavior? Well, uh, controlling. She doesn't like that uh, she was controlled when she was raped. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm concerned that uh, maybe she, she's going to be controlling her. Maybe she how, how, long, how long have you guys been together? Well, since like early November. Not and has long. there been any conflict, any problems? Well, outside of the normal stuff, I don't think so. I mean, I've, I've paid uh, uh, for for a lot of the share of like you know the rent, and I, I haven't paid for her car, but you know I did help her get one. She's okay, driven all right. Before. So that's kind of weird. And and 
and then you said you had been sexually abused? Is that what you said? You said you've been through some of the same stuff? Well, some of the same stuff, but like I said, it's not anywhere near as... What have you been through? What have you, what have you been through? Well, when I was seven, uh, I was taking like a, a swimming lessons or something, and then uh, the, the, I, I was invited over to a friend's house to go swimming, and the person offered swim lessons in the neighborhood. You sure we're not, we asked, we're not getting into a mason jar situation here? You sure? No, I swear to God, no. Um, he, uh, uh, he, my, my brother and I, we were there uh, at the pool, and he told us that we had to undress and shower before we got into the pool with him watching. And uh, even as a seven-year-old, I thought that was All right, so some, something weird happened. All right. And, and had you ever been actually actively you know, physically abused or sexually abused, in fact? No, not, not okay. with my- All right, so you've never been through anything like that. And I'm always, all my spidey sense always go up whenever somebody else calls on behalf of another person going, oh, my God, what this person has been through is so terrible. Um, it, it always raises questions. Sometimes it's, you know, it, it just, it, there's lots of reasons for that. And it's some of those reasons. Sure, that's could it, huh? That, that's totally fine. I, I'm very appreciative of the fact so, that you're and so listen, And so listen, one of the, one of the things that, pops into my head when when somebody calls on behalf of somebody else and it's not hanging together for me and I'm like trying to figure it out I'm I start wondering if the person you're worried about is fabricating some of this and then you said oh my goodness uh, she's getting me to pay for my apartment and paying for my, maybe I'm gonna pay for a car and all this stuff I thought of thinking oh geez is it possible that she's making more um, of whatever has happened to her to manipulate you that's a little bit about what I'm concerned about, Doctor. I don't know exactly how to sort it out either. Well, um, I, I, that's the just being just raising that possibility and being open to it is the first part. The second part is to put some limits on the the spending, and if you start saying no to things and see what happens, you'll know real quickly. Does that make sense? I have I, I have put some limits to things, and uh, it has put some distance uh, uh, between us. Yeah, see and that's that's not normal. That's not normal for you for you to want sort of normal boundaries like hey, I don't have to pay for everything. I'll pay for some stuff, but not everything. Then oh, by the way, screw you or I or somehow that uh, you know undermines the possibility of a relationship. Again, there are reasons for that. People get into that, but most of them are reasons are not good. So, I would just be Have you called before? No, I, I haven't spoken. Like I, I think I called Loveline once back, like a decade ago or something. There's something about your meter that just feels, sounds very familiar. It, it wasn't the same problem. <laughs> it wasn't the same problem back then. No, no, no. It, it, it's not a similar. No, no, no. I, okay. I didn't even know her back then. Or, my, no, no. But I mean, this isn't a pattern for you of getting in with people that take advantage. Well, of Well, when I originally called ten years ago, like I, I was frustrated because I hadn't been in any relationships for a long time. Precisely because I was scared of getting taken advantage of. But it had already been like, you know, six or seven years since I'd been in a relationship. Weird, huh? And I called you guys. Pardon me? Weird that that's what you were afraid of, and maybe that's not what's happening. Well, yes, but Dr. Drew, then I'm at the end of my rope. I don't really know where to go because part of the reason I want to marry her is because, okay, it might not be the perfect relationship, but at least I'm in a relationship. I really don't know what to say. I don't know how to fix that. My, my I, well, I'm not also, saying I'm not saying fix, and I'm not saying leave. I'm saying keep your eyes open and set some boundaries. That's all. 
And and it sounds like it's a satisfying. Oh, I really feel like I've talked to you before about something similar, but but yeah. <laughs> it's a weird feeling. Um, but but um, you know, and then keep working on the relationship. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of some stuff going on, and naturally there would be if indeed any part of what she's telling you is true, right? And uh, and she should be prickly in relationships. That would be normal after what she had, and what you would want if you're really going to be in a long term situation with somebody like that, if you want them to get treatment. I mean, she's not responsible for what's happening happened to her. I mean, this is my general rule of thumb. You are not responsible for what happened to you. You are not responsible for your illnesses. You are not responsible for your body and brain's reaction to what happened to you. You are responsible to make it better. <laughs> you are responsible to get treatment. And, um, yeah, I, I think that's the main thing is that she really takes care of herself and that you keep your eyes open. Just set, set gentle boundaries where it's appropriate. Mike, thanks so much, buddy. Appreciate your call. Well, our friends at Purple Mattress, that's right. It's a 100-night risk-free trial. You've got to check it out. It's um, The founders of this are two brothers who have been developing cushioning technology for 30 years, things like medical beds and wheelchairs. And in 2016, they finally decided to use their patented comfort technology to create Purple. I love this mattress. We've got it at our house. It's different. The Purple Mattress will probably be different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses this brand-new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It's not like the memory phone you're used to. Purple material feels very unique. It's both firm and soft at the same time, so it supports while feeling really comfortable. It's supported where where you need it. It's breathable, and it's cool. I mean, it's literally cool because uh, it's breathable, and so you stay cool at night. And again, there's a 100-night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund with free shipping and returns backed by a 10-year warranty. And they really stand behind their product here because they know what they've got. They've got something good, something special, and you will like it. Free in-home setup, old mattress removal. Now, you're going to love Purple. And right now, my listener will get a free sheets and a free mattress protector with your mattress purchase. Just go to Purple. That's the color. Purple.com slash D-R-E-W. That is Purple.com slash Drew. Purple.com slash Drew. All right, help our podcast stay free to download with minimal ads. Responses will help us align at this Podcast One survey. Survey short, it's anonymous, takes no more than five minutes. Go to podcastone.com slash my survey or go to podcast one and click on the survey banner. If you filled it out in the past, we do thank you, but we still need to do it again if you can. Do all of us at Corolla Network and Podcast One a huge favor by filling it out. Thank you for supporting my program and taking the time to complete this survey. Really do appreciate it. It helps us align the appropriate advertisers to this audience and stay free to download. Here are some useful car tips you might not be aware of. Coffee filter and a bit of olive oil clean your interior. Get the excess weight out of your car. Improve your gas mileage. Why don't we think about that? Keep the proper tire pressure in your tires. Well, here's another tip you might not know, but I don't know where you've been if you don't. True Car helps people get used cars as well as new cars. With their True Car certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you will enjoy the True Car way, which is real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you're buying new or used. And with True Car users, you see what others paid, you see that scattergram, so you know you're getting a good deal. The price you lock in is for an actual vehicle on a True Car certified dealer's lot. They're also going to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with the True Car certified dealers. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car for a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Uh, let's talk to Josh. Go ahead, Josh. Oh, hey, Dr. Drew. Thanks for taking my call. Um, listen, I was wondering what you thought about 
people, I won't, I won't say Trump, but I just say people that seem to lie, like you're just having a conversation with them and everything that comes out of their mouths or, you know, if you're listening to the Trump tweets, they have, you know, the news are saying this is, this is not true, this is not true. If you're having to deal with some like that, what's the sort of strategy? Well, I think first you've got to uh, start distinguishing between lying and untruths or falsehoods, right? Those are different things, correct? Okay. Uh, no, can you explain that to me? Lying is volitional. I'm trying to deceive you. Deception. Untruths are I got the data wrong or I'm not really caring about the data or I'm just telling you as I understand it. turns out not to be true. I don't care. Right? It's sort of loose with the facts. As so opposed- we shouldn't like – shouldn't like take – if someone – if you feel like a fact has not been said or an untruth has not been said, we shouldn't be paranoid to think that the person is on purpose. Right? Is that what you're saying or no? I, I'm <laughs> saying you need to distinguish between the two. One, they're different. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I listen to Scott Adams to help me understand that because he comes from this whole world of persuasion where facts don't matter at all. And uh, it, that's not my world. So, so I, I have real trouble understanding it. I, I, don't, I don't understand deceptions and I understand argumentation from untruths or loose facts. I don't understand. I don't understand okay. it. So it's very, very – I just get confused. Uh, and if it's a – relationship where people are lying, well, that has many different layers and problems. And, you know, every alcoholic addict lies, every, you know, narcissist lies, every sociopath lies. A lot of people lie in relationships without, you know, sort of just out of trying to survive or sort of cover for something disgraceful they've done. There's millions of reasons people lie in relationships. But I, I would urge people to really focus there. <laughs> really, that's, that's where lies have your, the most impact on you is in your interpersonal right. life. And, and it can be problematic. I, I, you know, and I, from politicians, I don't even know what to think anymore. I don't know what to think. I, I and and yeah. by the way, same thing from the news media. I, I don't know. What, I don't even know what the hell anymore. So I just sort of right. sit in amazement, trying trying to ferret out the facts. <laughs> the facts as I understand See, them. The thing, the thing that the way I look at it is the country's so divided. And if you do take Trump as an example, because he's a good example of that. Then you have people, one side saying, oh, no, he's not lying. The other part saying, what are you crazy? He's lying about everything. And, so yeah, and, bo- and both are duality. right. And both are wrong, right? Both are wrong. I think the idea is that both, well, I would say, so you say both are wrong. I would say both are fine in their own way. We should kind of go above both. Oh, that's like I like that. that. I yeah. like that. I like your yeah. way. Because I, I, what I do is I go, look, I'm agnostic. I'm in the middle. Think, uh, leave me out of it. Uh, leave me alone. That's sort of my general note. Leave me yeah. alone. Although I have yeah. found be- because the problems, particularly in California, become so severe, I have found myself really moving – people pointed out to me off my libertarian sort of – rock that I thought I lived on and I'm like I want to solve this homelessness thing I want to solve this suffering thing I want to solve this you know right. and, and and then people look at me and go who do you want to solve that the government is that a libertarian thing I was like god damn it well right. okay well I want to solve it so and so, so you think you can ri- I think you can rise above both without being like ostracized from society I hope so. It's so polarized I know it's so polarized yeah I agree I think you can just say opposites to track and they cancel each other out and just say that's it. Well, that, you're kind of saying the same thing I am. Just hang out in the middle. Yeah, yeah, so. kind of, right. All right, right, Josh, thanks, buddy. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much. Yeah, I feel better okay, talking yeah. to you. <laughs> so, 
geez, got lots of. This is interesting. Here, let's go to Clint. Hey, Clint. Clint, are you there? Is that the right name, or am I on the right line? You're on the wrong line. Okay, Clint. There you are. Uh, Drew. Hey, Doctor Drew. You're here. What's up? Hey, um, I just had a question. Uh, my sister um, has had quite a few illnesses, kind of mysterious, uh, in the past, and now she's talking about EDS. Oh. Um, you know, really getting into the whole zebra movement. The what kind? And I was what, what movement? It's like zebra. I guess it's like the, the the sisterhood or fellowhood of the EDS movement. What's EDS? Um, uh, Ehlers Danlos syndrome. She has Ehlers Danlos. So, That's, but my thing is like, mm, oh, jeez. Okay. Okay. So she wants support from. Uh, does she have Ehlers Danlos? She says he does. Um, okay, she's so seen, you know, so, a dozen different doctors and never got any. All right, real so answers. all right, so was she have a lot of joint complaints, that kind of thing? Uh, she has in the past. Yes. All right, so Ehlers Danlos, it's, it's a real thing, right? And it's a gigantic spectrum of diseases. Some of them are very severe, and some of them are very mild. But I like that she has a you know something she can hang her hat on. Now, I will tell you. I, I understand your concerns that she's going to start to get too into it and get focused on it and stuff, but it but it turns out in most situations where people feel marginalized or stigmatized or unfelt, getting active, like being being proactive like this and and being part of a group that advocates, tends to go very well. So rather than worrying so much about her, you know, her whole identity getting tied up in this. Let's see if it doesn't help her feel empowered in some way. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Yeah, and I yeah. can only tell you that from a standpoint of published data that's out there, that kind of thing tends to go well. Now, I understand you, you're in your note here. I'm look, reading. It says you she's been what's called somatically preoccupied. She's had a lot of complaints and stuff and been sort of overly preoccupied a bit. Has it always been about her joints? Um, no, no, it hasn't. Okay. In the past, she, she had a hysterectomy and, you know, it's, it seems like it's always something. All right. I mean, it's it's and, horrible to say. All right. So, all right. So, so to me that I always worry about some kind of abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, that kind of thing, because people with abuse tend to be much more overwhelmed by what comes out of their body. Uh, and so while there might be an Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, how she experiences the misery from it is amplified because of some kind of trauma. Do you, do you know whether that, whether that happened? Um, I don't. Uh, she's the only uh, girl. There's three of us. Yeah. Girlers, so, I mean, well, you know, we, I, I we think fine. the only other thing I would say is if she's going to get active and empowerment and that kind of stuff, make sure she has also as a therapist and that, she, and that somebody really looks at whether or not this is, you know, what this is and uh, whether it's trauma or something like that. And then you've got a pretty good situation in terms of her not spiraling out, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, mean, I was more asking from the family standpoint just because – it's been so many things over decades or decade and a half that you know nobody really knows how to handle it now. We're you know we're supportive, but you know nobody wants to get too involved because it seems like it's always something. Well, but the, but the always something is is called somatoform disorder, where, where people are their body is a source of danger and misery and all kinds of things, and so they keep looking for solutions when in fact the the real problem is that they're. Literally, the way trauma works, particularly when it's on your body, you keep reliving it every minute of every day. 
it's as though it's always happening to you. Even though you're not aware that's what's happening, that's sort of the, what your brain is perceiving. And so your, your conscious brain is looking around for a solution to that. Like, why is this happening? I must be sick. There must be something wrong. When in fact, it's just the trauma. And if you can get at the trauma and get that properly treated, the whole thing tends to settle down. Okay? Okay. All right? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. You betcha. Uh, this is Abby. What's up, Abby? Hi. What's going on? Um, nothing. I, I have a quick question for you. I yeah. think I've heard you mention before um, your opinions on life coaching, and I am in a, a circle of, with a person who is a very recent life coach, and I have my LCSW, mm. and so I have some hesitations about her providing this kind of what seems to me like therapy to um, some women, and I just kind of want to get your thoughts on it. Um, okay, so licensed clinical social workers make very well-trained for real therapist, right? I mean, you guys are trained in cognitive behavioral therapy. You're trained in emotion focus therapy. You know how to do therapy, right? Right, the whole game. The yeah. whole game. You guys are good at it. You know how to do it. And that's the real deal. And that's, that is so for people with even moderate psychopathology or mild psychopathology, I want them seeing you, right? You're going right. to you're gonna go to But – if it's somebody who either A, is not a good therapy candidate, and you and I both know that lots of people are that way, uh-huh. or, or are not ready and really stuck on some behaviors that if they could get through, like you know hoarding, something like that, specific behavioral sure. things um, that might even get them to the point where they'll start to maybe take a look more honestly at things that can bring them back to somebody like you, Okay, that point where the behavior change needs to be done. I've seen some life coaches do some real good there. I've seen them really. Okay. I've seen them really help. So, but I, I would just say, you know, it, w- my concern is many of them are non-professionally trained. They don't really have understand what they're dealing with sometimes in you know whoever the the identified patient is, mm-hmm. and and they think that you know positivity and coaching is going to get somebody through. And it's like, oh, I've seen some real problems with that too. Right. So, right. so it, it, go ahead. Yeah, that's kind of my. Is if someone comes along that has some actual, some deeper issues, yeah, if that, yeah. you know, if that could be kind of even more harmful to have this person kind of helping them, quote unquote, guide Yeah, it, it's harmful in that it ends up being, you, you, okay, now I'm going to sort of talk in a little shorthand for you. Uh-huh. You know, when 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 the patients are kind of manipulative and self willful, and you know the patient can be the the life coach can be sort of enabling of all that, they become right. they become part of the process of whatever's maintain, maintaining this the pathology. You know, saying right. I have seen that yeah. happen a lot with drug addicts or people you know yeah. recently off drug or people you know real access what you, we used to call access two disorders. Uh-huh. Uh, that that's where they get sucked into the vortex <laughs> and may yeah. not understand they're there. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're yeah. you, you know you got it. You know what this is. I do. Yeah. Any any suggestions or thoughts on how to kind of? So again, this person is um, in a, a circle of friends of mine, and I I think it's a pride issue whenever she talks about this kind of stuff. But I, I would I would just uh-huh. stay positive. Yeah. And just go. I take care of sick people, and uh-huh. and I you know if I needed help, uh, you know motivating to do fill in the blank. Boy, I sure wish I had a life coach. Because the coaching, you got to emphasize the coaching is the key part. They yeah. they coach, and you know, having an available other that really coaches you, I mean, that, that's a helpful thing in many many situations. So I don't want to undermine what they do. I just always, you know, the same concern you have is that when people are undertrained, they don't quite know who should, they should be coaching. Sometimes, so I, ideally, you should be the one referring them. Right. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Thank okay. you so much. All right. Good luck.
sometimes the coaches are professionally trained too. And so people will get you know, somebody like the woman I was just talking to in the LCSW will also get some coaching training. So they have that as part of their um, range of what they can offer. So, And I've seen you know, people are very enthusiastic about that. Uh, Liz, go ahead. Liz, what's up? Yes. Hi. Hey. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. I betcha. Um, yeah. So about, sorry, I'm nervous, mm-hmm. but, um, 13 to 14 years ago, I had a lot of pain and long story short, they prescribed me pain medication, up to, up to, up to, because yep. it wasn't working. So I became addicted. I am an addict. Um, and they started me on the Suboxone program about 10 years ago yep. to get off Vicodin specifically. Yep. Uh. And um, I started off at a really high dose, and since a couple years ago, I was able to get it down to about um, four milligrams a day, which is really low compared to what I was taking. But anyway, um, at the start of the program, um, it was, you would be off within six months and and all of that. They never get people off it. It's just ridiculous. But go ahead. Okay. Yeah. And, and. Yeah, I'm still on it. It's been they they literally they're literally are phobic of having you go through some discomfort. It's so weird. Here are the words right. that never here are words that never came out of my mouth. Twenty five years of treating opiate addicts. Here are the words that never came out of my mouth. How are we going to deal with this opiate withdrawal? I have nothing. Off, I have nothing after. We we got to have something for opiate withdrawal. Twenty five years. Yeah. I never had any problem getting somebody off heroin or any other opiate. Never. No problem. Right. No big deal. And all of a sudden. Right. The whole medical community decided you got to be on this and you got to stay on this, right. and now it's a problem. Now, my my question for you yeah. is: Is do you think you're a full on addict, like um, old school? I, I am old school addict. Okay. <laughs> I am. Um, right. I used to smoke cigarettes, um, alcohol. I okay. try not to touch alcohol, but also, yeah. All right. So I am. Okay. So you're an addict, uh, and I think that's the problem. They corner you, you know, in the in in the doctor's office and say this ends now. You take this. Or you have nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, kind I of know. In that I go. Position, and um, now they're saying, well, some people have to be on it for maintenance for a long time. Well, and you've been on it a long time. You've been on it eight years. I, so I that's my question. Do you do you still feel altered by it? Um, I don't feel altered by it at all. Um, it, at least I don't think so. Um, it, I don't feel drowsy. It doesn't give me a high or anything like that. Um, I'm able to take doses and keep with them, unlike I did with pain medication, mm-hmm. you know, where I would just keep on taking more and more. Right. Yeah. And would lie about my prescription being out and, and all of that. And so that's where it has done, uh, I feel like, a lot of good. Okay. You know, I lost my job. I have a job. I good. have kids. Yeah. Um, I'm in a graduate program. And, okay. You know, but I always kind of find excuses for not going into recovery, you know, because I'm like, how will I do that? Being working full time and being a mom and by, by into recovery, so, you, you mean abstinence or do you mean going to a program? Or, or what do you mean we say into recovery? Into a program. Do you going do, did you, program. did you, or do you do 12 step treatment? I, I don't, I tried doing it. Um, and I was put into NA and I'm, I'm kind of in a really small town mm. and it just didn't feel Right, if okay. that makes sense. But I think that it's something that I should check into. Yeah, more, maybe I, I think before you do anything, you need that kind of support around you because you'll okay. find other people who've been through similar stuff as you're going through here, and you okay. need to kind of hear people's stories. You need to find out what's available in your community. You you don't okay. have to go to NA. It'd be nice if you went there, but you could go to AA. 
You could go to other okay. mutual aid societies, smart recovery, things like that. There's women's support groups sometimes you can find. So so look for other what are called mutual aid societies. Look it up online and go. Uh, and then start okay. to talk about, you know, you might be able to – what happens when you go to two milligrams? Are the withdrawals overwhelming? Are you able to function? Um, they're not overwhelming. No, they are just um, just um, uh, uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, so when maybe with maybe with support and with people around you, maybe you can just do that. Go down to two and see how you do. Yeah. Uh, th- yeah. This may not be a situation where you have to go necessarily somewhere and go cold turkey because if you okay. do, it, it's a two week kind of pretty miserable two weeks to go to, go to zero right. all of a sudden. It's pretty nasty, right. and you can kind yeah. of taper from here a little bit, but do it with support, okay. you know, of the fellowship people around you. Raise your hand, maybe okay. get a sponsor. And I do have a very supportive husband. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. I'm very thankful for that. So he yeah. is just supportive and, and, no matter and, where I'm at. And, so. and here's the thing. I, I, th- that's a plan, uh, and it's a plan that seems reasonable, and I'm, I'm suggesting it to mm-hmm. you because that seems to be what you want. And it's what yeah. I would want for you and what I would want for myself if I were you because you don't know. Maybe it's affecting okay. your mood, your libido, or your – who knows what. It would be nice to be free and clear of all this once and for all. Yeah, um, but <laughs> But – but – you may be one of these people that needs to stay on a little bit indefinitely. That, that's possible. And you've got to kind of look at that. You've got to be prepared for that and sort of discuss that with your physicians as well, okay? Yeah, because I do get scared about relapsing, you know. Right, and, uh, that's right. Just kind of turning around in my you, life. You, you, like you will relapse if, if, if you do nothing. If you just stop right. or if you stop or taper yourself and don't, don't create some support around you. That's when, yeah. it, that's when it gets dangerous, okay? Okay. All right. Just kind of take it, take it easy. Don't don't be in a panic about okay. it. You're you're you're, in a, okay. you're a great story. It's gone well. Thank you. Keep keep that positive mental attitude about what you're doing here, and and see what your peers, how your peers support you and what they've done. Okay. Okay. Right. I appreciate that because right. my husband and I have listened to other calls you have, and you know he comes to me when he hears a call that I haven't heard and says, you know, this isn't good. You know, the doctor. He has heard some of the advice you've given, and so well, I'm just, like, I I will oh, cut. Ca- I will get. Ca- I've been I- on this so long. I will get kind of harsh when somebody's on 32 milligrams, they're doing nothing, right. they've been slipping and sliding right. around forever, and it's like, really, that's supposed to help that person? Come on now. Yeah. And, and they have unmotivated, right. and they're, by the way, chipping on other things while they're taking the Suboxone. That's when I get, I lose my mind then, because because whoever is prescribing the Suboxone is not doing that person any any good service. That, that person yeah. should be screened randomly for drugs, they should be in a support program. There's lots of things need to be done. Other than prescribing right. Suboxone, and that's when I get a little crazy. So, yeah, of course. Right. And I am drug screened, just by the way. Oh, do you, do you I have, have a, been for all ten years. Do you have so, a case yeah. or something? Does the doctor do that? No, just the doctor is a part of the program. Well, but here's what. I don't have but do they do they background. good? Do they screen <laughs> you for everything or just opiates? Um. That's a good question. Well, ask I think them. They, they should everything, screen. I don't take anything else. I understand, so I but dear bud, we've established you're a drug addict. You should be screened for everything. Right. Every time you go in. And that, and that drives me crazy that they don't do that because True. something like 80% of Suboxone patients take other drugs. And that's yeah. not and they good. they do ask if you've had alcohol, and I'm honest, you know, I have one or two a week, you know. So I am honest about when I've had alcohol. So yeah, but, I'm but guessing look, it's not everything. If you're an addict, you're not fully honest. You're just not. True. <laughs> and so, yeah. and so, then yeah. the fact that they even ask you that is you got to be kidding me. That because that, that's part of the condition, right? And so, right, right. And now that may have to go too if you're prepared. That's all got to you got to you know yeah. really clean it up if you want. If you want, you're, you're still a good story yeah. such as you are. Okay. Thank you. Right. I appreciate you. Right. My call. You got to take care. Thanks.
Bye bye. Uh, this is uh, this is Mike. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's up, Doctor Drew? What's going on? Uh, question. Um, I was wondering if uh, you know if being what would cause a child to uh, I guess be sexually abusive to an adult or make advances on an adult would that child uh, being sexually abused as you know, as a young child, be a precursor of that. What age and what are we talking about here? Um, specifically, like, I don't know, eight or nine, um, and a sleeping relative next to the child. The child does what? Uh, the child, I guess, touches the adult, touches the aunt. The gen- so a, um, male, a male eight-year-old touches a female? Yes. Something's wrong. I, I would definitely get that kid evaluated <clears throat> right away. Okay. I mean, uh, I, I can't say for sure a childhood sexual abuse, but that's not normal. That's not a typical impulse of a child to. No, I mean, um, if if he was asleep even, or something, you know, on like a, a movie or TV wouldn't. No, 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 no influence no. that. In no, 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 no. Not an eight-year-old. No. Okay. No, something something's not right. Now I, I don't know what, but but something ain't kosher there. Um, how? how right. What are you? Sh- this is the aunt lying with the nephew. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And the nephew um, started just feeling around? Well, uh, it was it was me. I was the child. Um, ah. Probably when I was eight or nine. Um, yes, uh, just a sleeping aunt next to me, and I don't know what would cause me or drive me to do something like that, because I think, I think of that now, and yeah. it, it's, it's, it's disgusting. I don't know what... Well, let me tell you what, one of the things, maybe, first of all, maybe you're older than that. If you were 12 or something, it would make, it would have a different thing, different implication, number right. one. Number two, were you living in chaos? No, no. I had a, a normal great situation. childhood. I don't have any clear memories of any type of abuse, physical, sexual, anything. You sure you didn't just dream this? Yeah, no, I'm sure. Did it happen more than once? Uh, no, but I do remember, um, I guess, trying to coerce kids my age, too. Right. To, Has, maybe a child did something to you? Uh, I mean, not to my knowledge, nothing Okay. And, nothing more than, I guess, a friend's older sister trying to kiss me or something like that. Right. And is it possible the aunt was duplicitous in this in some way? I mean, uh, why didn't she immediately report it? Why didn't she? She didn't know. Still doesn't. She was asleep. Uh, yes. All right. I, I, again, this all is sort of in the, the if there is such a thing as sexual abuse light, uh, but the... You know, something probably happened child on child. You probably, right. you know, went from there. And uh you okay now? Everything, your relationship? Yeah, I've got a good job. Um, single, but a date around. I can hold a relationship. Okay. I don't see any right. issues or anything. Right. Then good. Just, it's just weird that it's good. that's yeah. a memory of mine, and I don't know what well, would I, I would think, think like in that. terms of other children affecting you and just go, oh, my gosh, look, maybe that was a part of what did that. And stop stop uh, blaming yourself. You were eight. You know what I mean? Stop, right. stop doing that. You're, 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 you're an eight-year-old responding to something. And, and uh, I don't know why. I think with time you may be able to think about it and remember it. But uh, stop, stop, stop it, okay? You're an eight-year-old. Right, right. It's okay to forgive an eight-year-old for responding – Normally to an abnormal stimulus, right? Right. All right.
and you know it everything being good now yeah I mean, I that, that shows you that things are it's not something to really be that concerned about okay okay all right great all right you're the man thanks Bye. Now you may have seen me talking about a product called TheraWorks Relief. And if you are one of the millions of Americans who suffer from muscle cramps in your legs and feet, this is relief. And now we're starting to get testimonials coming in, and uh, I'm really proud of this product. It's a way of getting relief from muscle cramps, which is something that can really make people suffer and disrupt your sleep. And sometimes older patients can really be a burden, and it's doing it without taking a pill. TheraWorks Relief is a topical foam that's clinically proven to relieve muscle cramps fast and with daily use. TheraWorks Relief can even prevent muscle cramps before they start. Now, for over a year, I've been recommending TheraWorks Relief to my family and friends and some patients as well. And my patients have been passing it on to other people. I I didn't ask them to do that, but they've been doing it. Now, the word breakthrough gets tossed around easily these days, but TheraWorks Relief is the real deal. It's a life-changing product, and best of all, you don't need a prescription. TheraWorks Relief is my choice for preventing and relieving muscle cramps. Make it yours, too. Get TheraWorks Relief today at select CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens pharmacies or at TheraWorksRelief.com. That's T-H-E-R-A-W-O-R-X, TheraWorksRelief.com. And talk to your pharmacist about TheraWorks Relief. They're as happy as I am because you don't have to take a pill. Experience relief for muscle cramps for yourself. That is TheraWorks Relief for your muscle cramps. All right, you heard me talk about Quip. This is not the first time, right? It's something you use every day. It makes a boring part of your day enjoyable, and you don't have to go to the store to get it because Quip ships directly to your door. It's that perfect $25 product, and it is the right thing, and it is supported by professionals. Quip starts at just $25, and right now when you go to getquip, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P, getquip.com slash Drew, get your first refill pack with a Quip electronic toothbrush. You get the free refill pack for free. That is your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Drew. Again, Quip comes with a mount. You know it. It's a new electric toothbrush that packs the right amount of vibrations into an ultra-slim design, guiding pulses to simplify better brushing. This is the future. Adam always talks about there being no advances in dentistry. Well, this is an advance. It also offers that optional subscription plan delivering new brush heads on a dentist-recommended three-month schedule for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. That's it. Get Quip Toothbrush. Again, it's getquip.com slash Drew. Hey, we have Lynette Corolla on the on the horn. What's going on? Hi, Dr. Drew. What's up, Lynette? I've never talked through the glass like this before. Uh, it's kind of cool, then. Yeah, it is. Um, I just had a quick question because uh, you sort of know my family background. Yeah. Um, and Natalia is... 12 years old this week and she's been going to therapy and I talk I'm very talked to the therapist a lot um, on a regular basis about her and Natalia and my mother are a lot alike Mm. and my brother has full-blown schizophrenia Mm. as you know Mm -hmm. and um, my mother I guess had it, but did, never showed signs until later in I life. I always thought she was more bipolar, no? Yeah, she was bipolar, but she was, at the very first time we had her hospitalized, she was seeing Jesus on the walls. Yeah, but the bipolar. Okay. Yeah. So she was bipolar. And so what I'm asking is, Natalia, yeah. is there markers? Is there like, anything? Like, like tests, blood tests or something? Well, that, yes. And what to look for? And, you know, I know that also if you have the gene and you're genetically predisposed, yes. your environment can also, if it's yes. it's stressful. So, yes, correct. Mm-hmm. So what have you been reading lately? 
Did what have I been reading? Yeah, no, I, I, I know. I mean, know. I know about this stuff, okay. and I've been in touch with her therapist. Okay, and, good. And what is the therapist recommending? Well, the therapist, we just, I just started talking to her about my family yeah. history, and but the therapist says a lot of things that Natalia does that my mother. Everything's fine, Natalia says. Yeah. Everything's fine. No, I'm fine. Well, you of know. course, a child has no insight. There's no way. That's no way. hot, right? Yeah. So. Um, but that was your mom saying everything's fine. That was my mom. Yeah, well, your mom, that was different. That, mm-hmm. believe, that's, that is, don't equate a, an adult and a 10-year-old. Don't, don't do that. Or 11. Okay. What are, they? are they 11 now, 12? They're turning 12. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't do that. Okay. Don't do that. Okay. But in, uh, terms of, in terms of insight and that kind of thing. No, okay. No, no. Okay. Yeah, I mean. Because what you're going to see now is 12 to 15 and 15 to 18, they don't have insight any more than they do now, but they'll start acting out. Whatever's going on, they'll mm-hmm. start externalizing, mm-hmm. and, so, and girls sometimes internalize, right? Eating things, cutting things, that kind of stuff, so, right? Um, so. I don't know. I just it's it, it now it's 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 worrying. Me. Does she get depressed? She does not get depressed. She's like my mom. My mom never got depressed. My mom, everything was good. Everything is happy. Everything's great. Except when she had your mom got out of spun out when she got manic. How was she? Um, when she got manic, she no. Would, except when she was not manic. When she was she? not manic, yeah. she was she was happy. All, everything was good. She would go just work, energetic, energetic, yeah. and um, and she would not take medication, right? Because she never she never take. She doesn't need an aspirin. Why should she need medication? Right. right. She, she had boundless energy, and she was, right. Uh, and Natalia does, but like, okay. So the the main thing. Uh, you're doing everything right, which is the main thing is emotional health, right? Attend to that and make sure somebody's managing. But there's a really kind of a critical piece uh, that at least I, uh, I'm impressed by this literature and I've seen it many, many times. Somewhere around 18 to 22, right? Maybe 18 to 24 is when shit happens, right? That's when the major mental illnesses present themselves. My brother. Right. And in manic bipolar, if you can, if you can prevent a manic episode then, you re- you've done a lot. You've done a lot to reduce the risk going forward. And now whether that's taking medication during that window, like a mood stabilizer, or just, and, and not doing drugs. I mean that's going to be a critical thing you know, for her brain. Not doing stimulants, not doing drugs, not drinking. You know, that, that's going to mm-hmm. be an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got to kind of put, educate her about it. Like, look, we, this, this is a thing. You know, is there alcoholism in your family anywhere? Is no that, alcoholism. Yeah. So we have to worry about addiction, but we're worried about your brain health and your emotional health. And if you want to drink when you're 25, fine, or 23, fine. But you know, it's really be careful. Be very, very careful with anything of any – excess because they think of it as sort of a kindling phenomenon by kindling i mean like you know when you take a like a some kindling of wood and you light the fire yeah it starts to spread that's kind of the way mania is during that age group it kindles and it can spread and it doesn't do that so much when they're younger and right now you're not going to see that kind of thing you're just going to see the energy and the maybe right. the ability and stuff or is there irritability too or no uh not not, not unusual yeah right. and but that you don't want that Kindling to set fire in eighteen to twenty-two. Mm-hmm. That that is a, to me a really critical thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you see anything like it, just you got to medicate it. I think personally, medicate. Yeah. But starting at age eighteen. 18 my thing is eighteen to twenty-three, twenty-two, in there. Just but you know, a really good psychiatrist would be able to manage that. No problem. And you're doing everything right. You, you're paying attention to it. You're being honest about it. You're being realistic mm-hmm. about it. You got a good therapist in there. It's good. But so it's good. They say, listen, here. I want you to flip it around a little bit. All this stuff that we look at as parents, we worry about, and like, oh my god, it's mental illness. Blah, 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 blah. Those are the things that make people great. 
Mm-hmm. Jesus, I'm like your husband now. But I mean, anybody that really accomplished stuff in, in this world has something going on psychologically or psychiatrically. They really do. Mm-hmm. It's just not letting it become disabling or, or really where it breaks into illness. I see. That's the key. It can be just a proclivity, a trait that you know can has associated with illness, but just you want to make it keep it from becoming the illness. Okay, so between age twelve and eighteen, just no it, drugs. I think more in terms of emotional health then. Emotional health, yeah, which is what you're attending to. Okay. Yeah, like okay. you said, no stress and you know, okay. proper, you know, just helping, help having a therapist. It's good. Okay. Does she like the therapist? She loves it. Yeah, perfect. She loves it. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 Was okay. was therapist tell you? She positive. She's very positive, yeah, and right. she's straightforward with her because yeah, there's but, she's. But, but she feels good about Natalia and the way things are going. Oh yeah, and, yeah definitely. And we we stay in contact constantly. I'm she telling texts you, me. mental health services bears fruit. Every time you use it, you'll be happy you did. We yeah. use it all the time with our kids yeah. and stuff. So. Okay, all right. Thank so you. It's, it's, the, the thing I'm always so so thankful for if the kids are open to it and then participate because that's a that's your blessing. Because so many kids are resistant or don't want it or won't go or go but don't do anything. That's – you can't do anything about that. It's I know. very hard. No. She's very – That's Adam. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That – I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. But that's – that from Natalia, she loves it. I have I think, a whole conversation I got to have with somebody about him and, and sleeping medication. Why? Uh, I'm going to have it on ACS, I think. Is he getting sleep medicine from anybody else but me? No, I don't think so. Okay, good. All right, good. Everybody's sitting in the chat. Oh, my God. He put me through hell. Huh? What he, did he? He put me through hell. He did? Yes. Yeah, I witnessed some of this. You what witnessed happened? some of it? What happened? Uh, well, at one point, Drew, well, at one point, Drew wrote the prescription. No, I, didn't, I made the mistake of on a, a Adam and Drew show going, you know, um, Adam was talking about his travel coming up. And I said, well, make sure you attend to that. He goes, ah, the Ambi doesn't work. I go, well, there's other stuff. There's this long acting thing. There's, you know, Restaurant-like medication. He goes, get me some of that. I go, that, that is not appropriate. That is not okay. I'm going to get a real doctor to do it. I'm going to have Dr. Bruce do it. So, okay, have Dr. Bruce. Fine. Well, no. Bruce set a boundary, I guess, which I was impressed by. But yeah. the, then all guns blazing came towards me. Hmm. And uh, what did you perceive after that? Oh, well, there was, a, there was some back and forth about the dosage that you had written it for and the fact that right. he had to take two and he – was not happy about that. Right. As though taking fit. two or three is somehow Why is that? What's because wrong that's with that? getting the dose exactly right for him. He apparently would he the way he said it was he would rather break a pill in half. It, it's a capsule. It doesn't break. Yeah, I I'm just that's reporting. My, I'm just that's re- my point. And so I was like and I I was like there's plenty that I can't believe we've after not I shouldn't be doing this in the first place and now we're into this. Oh my god! Oh, and then it got worse. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a have it out on ACS. Oh it, it just—that's the beginning. That's mm. the beginning. It was so bizarre. Well, I'm not shocked actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's so par for the course, Doctor Drew. <laughs> all right. Oh my goodness! Thank well, you. All right, good. I'm glad you asked that question. That's great. I'm okay. glad she's in good hands. Yes, that's good news. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Drew. You bet. Love you. All right, so let's go to Dave. What's up there, Dave? Doctor Drew, how are you doing? Hey, Dave. What's happening? Well, brief history. Um, well, let me I'm let me. 50. Yeah, you had enough alcohol yet? Are you done? Yeah, you're done. Well, no, no, you're not done. Well, when you're done, no. when you're done drinking, I'll just go online, get a number for AA, and have someone come pick you up and take you to a meeting. Well, I I just have a question for you. 
Okay, um, brief history. Um, I'm 50. Um, up until 2011, I was a casual drinker. Okay, uh, 2011, I uh, had bariatric surgery. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a, we've, I've had a number of people whose alcoholism exploded after bariatric surgery. It, it's something yeah, about, exactly. something about, something about the way the alcohol gets delivered to the small bowel and then how quickly it gets to your brain to just boom. So sorry, right. Dave, I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah. And, you know, and so basically I drink every day yeah. and, you know, it's cheap vodka and mix it with whatever and. And everything, and now I've heard you talk on you know ADS about uh, uh, you know quitting cold turkey is not a good idea. No, you got to get treatment. You got to get treatment, or at least get a doctor to help you through it. You know somehow it, it's it's especially acute. This is a dangerous thing with the bariatric surgery and stuff and alcohol. It, it, my experience in treating it, I don't have I have moderate amount of experience with a few several patients. And it's it's treacherous. It, it's not the usual thing, you know, because you guys, I don't know. It, it just has lots more. It's much more difficult. That's all I can tell you. You got to get where the magnesium metabolism is harder to get squared. The you know the vitamin B issues. Sometimes I worry. I worry those are going to be more problematic. They usually turn out okay. The way you metabolize uh, the medication that we give you to help you with the withdrawal, withdrawal can be a little treacherous. So it's it's just not your usual thing. It's possible. It's no big deal, but it needs to be carefully managed. That's all I'm saying. Well, you know, I take, you know, uh, since my bariatric surgery, I take a, uh, uh, you know, multivitamin uh, every day. Uh, I know, but you don't, abs- you don't absorb my it. Doctor's you, you don't absorb it when you're drinking. Uh, or you may not absorb it. And, again, that's the stuff I that your doctor gets to worry about when they're taking you off the alcohol. So... So listen, man, you, you deal with it. Come on now. Let's go. Let's get honest about it. Uh, you didn't ask for this, but you got it. And uh, and let's get you all the way out of this mess. But, okay, so what I'm asking is, I mean, I'm I'm that type of person, you know, when I quit smoking, I quit smoking cold turkey. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I was fine with it. Well, then, and, then if you uh, can find – I've never met – uh, that person yet with alcohol that, that's as far down the road as you are and, and um, I have obviously with people that are in control still sort of uh, but if you can find a doctor to help manage your withdrawal then fine then do it but don't do okay. it alone don't do it alone okay please alright alright buddy good luck man uh, Tyler hey what's up what's going on um, so I was born with spina bifida, mm-hmm. and I was lucky that I wasn't paralyzed. Surgery. Um, all right, so let's just tell people what spina bifida is. Spina bifida is essentially your your spine doesn't close all the way, and there's different kinds of spina bifida. But the the some sometimes it's occult; you don't even know you have it, and sometimes it's overt. We actually see the spinal cord. Right. What kind did you have? Well, every uh, I had a myeloma. Okay, so you had a little bit of a problem there. Okay. Um, so everything was good up until I was about 14, 15, and did, I started having trouble urinating. Did they repair it? Yeah, they repaired it at yeah. first. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then, um, so I had some MRIs and stuff like that, and they saw that I had a tethered spine, 
so I guess it didn't grow properly. Like yep. as I as I grew my spine, yeah, kind of stuck down. Um, okay, yep. And then I um, sorry, hold on, I'm trying to think. I just had a brain fart. I'm sorry, I'm nervous. <laughs> All right, no problem. I uh, so I I couldn't um, I still couldn't go to the bathroom properly. And then I had a Mitrofenov surgery done about a year after my back surgery, which is basically, they use my appendix to make a port Yep. that goes through my belly button. So I use a catheter to pee out of that, and everything's fine, but the problem is I still don't have much bladder control. And I'm, I've been taking oxybutin to kind of... Um, help with that and it helps somewhat but you know I'm, i have to wear diapers a lot of the time mm-hmm. i'm a little so confused I, i'm a little confused you 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 have drainage both from the catheter and from your penis right oh that's interesting so it comes out of my penis like kind of uncontrollably hmm. which you know it's, it's odd for me too yeah, that's no, that's well. It's because you don't have normal bladder control, right? The the essentially there's a there's a muscle at the neck of the bladder that, that we learn to tighten. It's a smooth muscle, and for whatever reason, mm-hmm. that is not tightening for you. You're not able to because that part of your spinal column isn't working, and so it just leaves it sort of open. So as urine comes in, it just flows right out. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I had a I had a test recently, and they found that um. My interior sphincter wasn't closing. I think that's what you're talking about. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. And so I was and, just wondering. Uh, my urologist recently suggested um, a uh, sling, which I think it's something that like just stays in your penis for life, basically. Another a surgical <laughs> sl- uh, building a sling on on the neck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the it's not a big deal surgically. My fear is it won't work. But it's it it might if you know if you're in good hands. Where, where do you go? Do you go to a university center to get your urological care? Uh, children. Okay. Nationwide children. All right. So so yeah, you might think about that. I mean, it, it might help. It, it it certainly won't think make things worse, and it probably will make things better. But it might not make it go away. If that makes sense. Right. I, I did that. What they told you or. Um, no, I, I haven't had my appointment yet. I just had an over the phone call. But yeah, go get get into it a little bit. It's not it's not that big a deal. I, I you know for you, I, I understand a nineteen year old male. It's, this is all confusing and weird and you know difficult to contend with. And you'd, you'd want to have as much of those symptoms controlled as possible. And so to me, that seems like a not too big an intervention for something that might might give you some relief. Okay. Okay. All right. All right, Tyler. Good luck, man. Okay. All right. All right, thanks right. for taking my question. You bet it. Bye. Okay. Really good calls today. Good questions. Wide ranging. I like that. I dig that. So uh, that about does it. I appreciate you all for tuning in and for calling in and being a part of this. And we, as always, we appreciate when you share it with a friend. And uh, I'll see you next time. 
for calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Thank you.